I want you to hit me as hard as you can. The epic western Tombstone galloped into theaters in 1993 to critical and commercial success, despite a messy production. The film follows Wyatt Earp and his band of lawmen as they fight the violent and thieving cowboy gang, who are menacing the town of Tombstone, Arizona. Wyatt Earp's legend has grown to almost mythical levels since his death in 1929 and has been the basis of many books, movies, and TV shows. Tombstone screenwriter Kevin Jarre set out to make the most accurate depiction of the lawman yet, working alongside historical consultant Jeff Morey for an entire year. But is the film as accurate as Wyatt Earp's aim, or does it miss the mark? Let's ride and find out what the f*** really happened to this movie. While Tombstone is arguably an ensemble piece, at the center of it all is Wyatt Earp, famously portrayed by Kurt Russell. After earning a reputation as the best lawman in Dodge City, Kansas, Wyatt hands in his badge and heads for Tombstone, Arizona. While the film references Wyatt's past as a lawman, it overlooks his other work as a buffalo hunter, a saloon keeper, and an enforcer at a brothel, which was reportedly run by his common-law wife, Maddie. While peacekeeping is what he's really known for, Wyatt picked up a number of useful skills from these very trades that helped contribute to his esteemed reputation. In 1879, Wyatt and his wife Maddie Blaylock arrive in Arizona, where they're met by Virgil and Morgan Earp, played by Sam Elliott and Bill Paxton, respectively. Although they aren't in the movie, two more Earp siblings, James and Warren, also made their way to the titular town. James managed a saloon, while Warren worked under Virgil as a lawman, it was also among the posse for the deadly Earp Vendetta ride. Their exclusion was likely to keep the already extensive cast of characters from getting out of control. Upon their arrival, the three Earp brothers meet the town sheriff Johnny Bayhan and Marshal Fred White. They're warned about the cowboy gang, who under the leadership of Curly Bill Brocious, played by Powers Booth, have overrun the town. The marshal notes that a cowboy is identified by their red sash, which was a Hollywood flourish and not based in truth. The Cowboys, also known as the Clanton Gang and the Cochise County Cowboys, were a loosely organized gang of outlaws that mainly robbed stagecoaches and stole cattle from Mexican ranchers to resell in America. Old Man Newton Clayton, who doesn't make an appearance in the film, was the leader of the gang up until his death in 1881, when he was unofficially succeeded by Curly Bill whose reputed pension for violence is accurately demonstrated in the film. Alongside Curly Bill was John Ringo, Michael Bann, who was considered the king of the cowboys. The film portrays him as eloquent and well-educated, a stark contrast to everyone else in the gang. It is true that Ringo attended college, but the extent of his education, such as his fluency in Spanish and Latin, is debated. This means the excellent saloon standoff between him and Doc most likely didn't happen. Thanks for watching Joe Blow videos. If you enjoy our shows, please like, subscribe, and click on the bell to be notified when new videos go live. Now, back to the show. In the film, Wyatt is informed about the Oriental Saloon, a local gambling house whose business has dried up after the arrival of an aggressive player by the name of Johnny Tyler. Wyatt enters and literally drags the man out by his ear and bans him from the establishment. In exchange for further protection, Wyatt demands a quarter of all the earnings. Now, 
It is true that Wyatt had stakes in the casino. The owners hired him to keep out undesirable patrons in return for a share of the profits. And although Wyatt really did drag Johnny Tyler out by his ear, the context of the actual situation was different. Tyler was an angry drunk who pulled a gun, and Wyatt was just doing his job by tossing him out. However, this event didn't happen until 1881, nearly two years after the film takes place. It's around this point that Wyatt and his brothers run into their old friend Doc Holliday, unforgettably played by Val Kilmer. While the film doesn't provide much context for their relationship, Wyatt explains that Doc had saved his life at one point, and they had been friends ever since. The film portrays Doc as a silver-tongued gunslinger and educated poker player suffering from tuberculosis, a depiction that isn't far from the truth. As a child, Doc, real name John Henry, attended school at the Valdosta Institute, where he studied Greek, Latin, and French. At the age of 15, he was diagnosed with the consumption, which he most likely picked up from his mother, who died soon after Doc's own diagnosis. Holiday was a dentist by trade, having graduated from a college that his own cousin started, but he was forced to give up the gig when his intense coughing fits and worsening health made it too much of a liability for him to be digging around in other people's mouths. He picked up gambling, specifically poker, to make money, and he was damn good at it. When he arrived in Tombstone, it was said that he had nearly $40,000 on him, over a million bucks by today's standard. Doc met his on-again, off-again lover, Mary Catherine Elder Harney, a.k.a. Big Nose Kate, at Fort Griffin, Texas. The two had a difficult relationship. Both were hot-headed and short-tempered, especially when drunk. They parted ways in early 1881, a few months before the famed shootout at the OK Corral, so her presence in the film is not entirely accurate, but a relationship with Doc is, to an extent. Doc Holliday first met Wyatt Earp at Fort Worth, where the lawman was pursuing a known train robber. Doc was able to give Wyatt vital information that led to the criminal's capture, and the pair formed a bond. Doc purportedly saved Wyatt's life when known scoundrel Ed Morrison and his rowdy henchmen came into town, looking to pick a fight with Earp over a prior misgiving. The gang entered the saloon where Doc was dealing pharaoh and began antagonizing patrons. When Wyatt arrived to settle things, he found himself facing several gun barrels. Doc put a pistol to Morrison's head and demanded his cronies drop their weapons and let Wyatt go. They relented, and Morrison was ushered to Dodge City Jail. Earp and Holiday then formed an unlikely friendship that would last until Doc's death in 1887. Not much later, we're introduced to traveling theater actress Josephine Marcus, who quickly catches Wyatt's eye and becomes the center of the film's romantic subplot. The film's depiction of the budding romance between the lawman and the actress is surprisingly accurate. Wyatt's relationship with Maddie was quickly deteriorating due to her dependency on laudanum. And Josephine, who had been going steadily with town Sheriff Bayhan since her arrival, wasn't actually keen on staying with him. Wyatt and Josephine would not get together during their time in Tombstone, but would marry later in life. In the film, a major turning point comes when an intoxicated Curly Bill starts firing his revolvers into the air. Marshall White attempts to disarm him, but is shot and killed in the process. As the movie shows, Curly Bill is arrested and placed on trial, where he's eventually freed after the homicide was ruled accidental. 
while Wyatt still doesn't want anything to do with peacekeeping, the Marshal's death convinces Virgil and Morgan to finally step up and become Marshals for the town. However, this isn't entirely true. Virgil had already accepted the position of Deputy Marshal before even arriving in Tombstone, and Morgan was sworn in soon after he arrived in 1880. Wyatt had planned to start a stagecoach business in Tombstone, but the competition was too stiff, and he eventually found his way back into law enforcement because he needed the money. A ban on firearms within town limits was administered, but it actually went into effect eight months after Marshal White's death. However, it was indeed this ban on weapons that led to the now infamous gunfight at the OK Corral. In the film, a drunken Ike Clanton is arrested by Virgil and vows revenge. Later, Ike and Billy Clanton, now joined by Tom and Frank McLurry, gather near the OK Corral on Furman Street, armed but not necessarily looking for a fight. With them now in violation of the town's weapon ban, Virgil and Morgan are determined to confront and disarm them. Reluctantly, Wyatt is sworn in and joins his brothers. Doc Holliday tags along as well, having his own bone to pick with the gang. The ensuing recreation of the most famous gunfight in the Old West sticks close to the known facts. As the film suggests, Clanton's and McLurry's had indeed threatened the Earps after being arrested for rowdy drinking and violating the weapon ban. The gunfight itself only lasted 30 seconds. It's unclear who fired the first shot, but it's widely believed that Doc was the first to kill. I Clanton was unarmed and pleaded Wyatt not to shoot, and then fled the scene without firing a shot. The film contradicts this as Ike steals the sheriff's gun and opens fire on the lawman. The firefight ends with Billy Clanton and Frank and Tom McLurry dead and Virgil and Morgan wounded. Bayhan attempts to arrest them and Wyatt responds, I don't think I'll let you arrest us today, Bayhan. This is all taken directly from historical accounts. While the men were eventually taken into custody for the shootings, the judge overseeing the case ruled the homicides justified and the Earps were freed. A drunk and angry Johnny Ringo confronts the Earps and tries to instigate violence, prompting Doc Holliday to step up and say the now famous words, I'm your Huckleberry. An enduring quote that Doc allegedly said in real life, although some historians think he may have actually said, I'm your Hucklebearer, which was another term for pallbearer. But vengeance does come that night when Virgil is ambushed and stumbles back to the saloon after being hit with a shotgun blast. Although he survives, he loses the use of his left arm. This is all accurately depicted. However, the movie's attack on the wives does not seem to have actually occurred. Later that night, Morgan Earp is gunned down in the saloon while playing some pool and succumbs to his wounds. While the details of this scene are accurate, his murder didn't actually occur until three months after Virgil was attacked. After the attacks, three cowboys abandoned the gang and helped Wyatt seek revenge against those responsible. Surprisingly, this is true. Wyatt swore the men as temporary deputies, and together they sought vengeance against the men responsible, marking the official beginning of the Earp Vendetta Ride. The Earps pack up and head out of town. As Virgil and the wives hop a train, Ike Clanton and Frank Stilwell show up at the station to kill the remaining Earps, not realizing Wyatt is not on the train, but instead waiting on the tracks. Wyatt fills Frank with buckshot and lets Ike live another day. This all happened more or less how it's portrayed in the film. A montage of murder and bloodshed follows 
as the Herbs Posse picks off anyone wearing a red sash. Although the movie never specifies how many cowboys they killed, recorded estimates put the body count over 20. It all culminates when the posse is ambushed at Iron Springs by a handful of bloodthirsty cowboys, led by Curly Bill himself. Wyatt steps into the water as bullets whiz by, and he walks straight towards Curly Bill, who fires and misses before being obliterated by Wyatt's shotgun. Incredibly, apparently, almost everything in this scene truly happened. Soon after, Josephine Marcus leaves town after her theater co-star Mr. Fabian was gunned down by cowboys. Bane and Ringo stop the stagecoach and try to convince her to stay, but she refuses. The two men and the cowboy gang set out in search of Herb's posse. However, there is no evidence that Mr. Fabian existed, and Josephine left Tombstone after finding Bayhan in bed with another woman, which all happened before Wyatt started his cowboy purge. With Doc's health quickly deteriorating, Wyatt and his men find refuge at Hooker's ranch. In reality, Henry Hooker was a known supporter of Wyatt and welcomed the posse into his ranch with open arms. But the shootout that Ringo proposes to Wyatt probably never happened as depicted. As for an ailing Doc Holiday stepping in to duel Ringo, although this is a tidy and satisfying way for the movie to wrap things up, the real Ringo's death remains a mystery to this day. His body was found on July 14, 1882, sitting under a tree with a bullet in his head. Some believed it was suicide, even though his revolver was fully loaded. Many assumed either Holiday or Wyatt was responsible. Her records indicate that Holiday was in Colorado six days before Ringo's body was discovered, making it unlikely that he'd carried out the deed. And Wyatt never kept his story straight. In the book I Married Wyatt Earp, allegedly assembled from text written by Josephine herself, she claims that Wyatt had committed the act. Wyatt himself also took credit, but in the ensuing years, he would retract his statement on multiple occasions, while also privately boasting that he had in fact done it. With so many conflicting reports, it's hard to verify what actually happened to the outlaw. Following Ringo's death, Earp and his posse take down the remaining cowboys. Bayhan lives to see another day, as does Ike Clanton, who abandons his red sash. As it turns out, this is pretty close to the truth. Ike survived the vendetta after renouncing the gang and fled to Mexico. But he returned to Tombstone in 1887 and resumed his old ways, resulting in his death at the hands of the law. Wyatt visits the bedridden dock at the Glenwood Sanitarium in Colorado, where Holiday waits for death. The men share touching final moments, and Doc convinces Wyatt to go be with Josephine. Wyatt takes his dying friend's words to heart, reuniting with her and ending the movie on a happy, if bittersweet note, and Doc is left to die alone in Colorado. But the details surrounding the lives of these two men following the vendetta is blurry. It's true that Doc was staying in Colorado for treatment, but Wyatt was not a regular visitor. In fact, it's alleged the two men had a falling out after the vendetta ride, and had only reunited once before Doc's death in 1887. As for his final words, this is funny. The attendant nurses did claim Doc spoke those words while looking at his bare feet, a reference to the fact that he always assumed he would die with his boots on. And of course, Josephine and Wyatt did get married. While their relationship was troubled at times, 
Apparently, she had problems with gambling and adultery. The two remained together until Wyatt's death in 1929. Even with all the movie's difficulties behind the scenes, including script rewrites all through production, Tombstone still managed to stick close to the available facts. Not only does it have a fantastic cast and enduring appeal, but it also appears to be a relatively true depiction of the famous lawman and his time in the Old West. Let us know your thoughts by sounding off in our comment section. And thanks for watching.